Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is December 15th, 2020. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. It is Tony out here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in snowy BC. Snow? What the heck? You're living in the Okanagan, buddy. Yeah, it's snowing, but it's not staying. Oh, it's well. just hitting the ground and melting. So we'll probably, we'll probably wake up to a little bit of snow in the morning, but... Uh, this has been one of the lightest snow years I can remember so far. So, oh well, well, it's Saskatchewan. We got uh, by prairie standards, we've actually had a pretty mild winter temperature-wise so far. I mean, we got a crap ton of snow about five weeks ago, which we're still just kind of recovered from now. But it was great until yesterday, when our high was only minus twenty four or 27 or something ridiculously cold (laughs) oh wow yeah that's balmy i mean it's i don't know i think it's like two degrees here right now well see we're looking for that on the weekend again so it's it's and that's kind of where it's been all winter is like right just below and around zero which is really weird for especially getting into december because we should be having minus 20s steadily for a couple weeks at a time and we haven't had them, so I'm, I can't really even complain. Yeah, we've barely been below zero here, and that's that's rare. I mean, like we, you know, typical December highs, I think we're pretty close to that. We're probably a couple of degrees above that, but our nighttime temperatures are a lot warmer than normal. But last year was the opposite, so it's, uh, um, We'll see. I mean, the snow or like the ski hill here, the snow is uh, they've only got like a 50 centimeter base. It's really, really uh, mild up there. Um, Yeah, not much at all. Yeah, not much snow at all. So we'll see what happens. I mean, they say that January is supposed to bring the, the snow and the cold. So well, then I guess we shall see. Yeah. So what's up? All right. So on the show tonight, Canada, as usual, we have a stacked show for you. I actually had a rant ready to go for today, but I thought we'll get the full episode out first and then I will rant at my leisure. So on the show tonight, COVID, more restrictions, lockdowns, vaccines, and immunity passports. Vancouver, the city of Vancouver has chosen to become the latest city to defund the police liberal lies, and the China files. Where do you want to start, good sir? Well, let's start with close to home here. Let's start with Vancouver and their decision to defund the police while decriminalizing hard drugs. Isn't that brilliant that the city of Vancouver has decided they're going to cut 61 officer positions? Now, I don't know how big the Vancouver Police Department is, but 61 positions is a pretty significant number. Well, especially considering homicide rates have jumped 56% this year and uh, violent crime rates overall have jumped, uh, you know, 
40, I think overall have jumped 40 to 50% over last year. And they're going to cut 61 positions. Yeah. And that's not just brilliant. Like that's the best way to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. I mean, and this, the thing that really bugs me the most is that all this crap that you're seeing down in the States, this isn't a problem that we've been having here. Yet, yet our politicians, our left-wing politicians are jumping all over the defund the police bandwagon when it hasn't been an issue. Any, any of this police brutality stuff going on in the States, it, you get the odd case here and there up in Canada, but, but not enough to like for it to be an actual political stance like it is down in the U.S. I mean, like this is this is opportunism at, at its worst. That's actually a good way to put it. And uh, like I thought about that in the summertime when they actually had here in Saskatoon a uh, a BLM protest, and my first thought was, I don't know that there's ever been a situation where a white Saskatoon police officer has killed a black civilian. And I thought if there was going to be any kind of issue would be much more appropriate here in the prairies. If uh, like for a group like Idle No More to get their backs up because there has been problems with police discrimination against indigenous people in most cities in the prairies. So that I could see being relevant, but the whole idea of defund the police stemming from Black Lives Matter isn't relevant as far as I'm concerned anywhere in Canada, at least certainly not in Western Canada. I know that Toronto has had, they've, I'm not even sure if it's been a problem there, but they certainly have an active Black Lives Matter movement there. Yeah. um, And that's exactly it. I mean, Western Canada, we really haven't seen any, um, anything that would, warrant a black lives matter protest never mind defunding the police uh i mean you you have out in saskatchewan i mean there there was that infamous case of rcmp officers uh having you know i i think it was saskatchewan it might have been alberta where they they drove out of town and dropped uh, uh an indigenous man off on the side of the highway basically and he froze to death that was right here uh, in saskatoon yeah yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like that has happened and that has, that is a problem. Um, it's largely been addressed. Oh, yeah. uh, that, that was a, a number of years back. And I, I can't seem to recall any incidents like that since. Um, and, but that, but that's never enough for these activist lefties. Like it's never enough. Like you could eliminate the police and they'd be cheering you all the way and then they would need the police and then they would be cursing you for having defunded them. See, I'm glad you brought that up. And number one, you're right. Lefties can never take yes for an answer. But Minneapolis, where this all started, they um, I'm, I'm glad you said they asked where are the police because Minneapolis City Council voted to defund the police, voted to abolish their police service, or maybe that was Seattle that voted to abolish. But anyway, Minneapolis no, voted. No, it was Minneapolis. It was oh, Minneapolis. Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so they voted to abolish the police. And what a surprise. Crime rates shot right up. And then there was one Minneapolis councilor who said, well, where are the police when you need them? 
<laughs> yeah, and it was it was a unanimous vote too. So that exactly so that city councilor who's saying that was one of the people who voted to defund the police. That's right. <laughs> and Minneapolis is on a hiring spree now for the police. By the way, oh. like they like they're they're ramping back up their their membership in their in the police force because they uh, they need them in a bad way. Like the crime rate has skyrocketed there and they're actually calling retired police officers to come back and they're saying no. (laughs) I don't blame them. And I don't blame them at all. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah. And and I think, and I think you're going to find that happening here in Canada too, because the, the police, despite not having any involvement in what has happened in the States, they're getting a bad rap in Canada too. And it's, and people are like, F the police. And it's like, wait, what have they ever done to, to deserve that here? Like we're not the States. And it's funny because left-wing politicians and left-wing supporters and left-wing activists, they go on and on about how, Hey, Canada's so great because we're not the USA. That's their, that's their, uh, um, their rallying call. We're not American. That's, that's what makes Canada so great is we're not American. But then when something suits their narrative, Oh no, we're, we're just like the U S. Yeah, that's, that's true. And you know, I was thinking with Vancouver, I was how, um, Vancouver's always had sort of this, I don't know if you want to call it like uh, an underculture where there's a lot of real like rabble rousers. Like you saw that in the Stanley Cup riots in uh, with the 2010, where they just see a reason to cause trouble. And they've got this subset of people that are more than willing just to uh, to get the riot going and to remove such a significant chunk of your police service at a time when... Well, there's going to be a lot of unrest. And as you noted, and you laid the statistics out a few weeks ago on our show, where, you know, how crime is going up, drug abuse, overdoses are all going up, and people are going to need the police more, not less. But you are now, you as the city of Vancouver, are cutting, like, I'm not even sure what percentage of the force it would be, but easily 10 to 20%. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't think it's that high. Um, but I mean, 61 officers, I'm sure that it's several thousand, um, officers on the, on the Vancouver police force or, or, or so I should have really checked that number before we came on the air, but, um, it's, it's just, uh, Vancouver does, you're right. I mean, every time the Canucks make it to the final and don't win. There's a riot. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's happened twice, but uh, at least it's not like Montreal where if they lose a first round series, they riot. Right. Um, Or if, even if they win the first round series, they riot. (laughs) We've seen that in Montreal too. Um, But uh, no, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't think it's a whole lot different than most big cities, but the thing is, is that Vancouver, Vancouver, uh, as you know, <laughs> all you have to do is open up a newspaper or, or, uh, or a website, um, and just see what kind of, um, 
quasi socialist BS is happening with Vancouver city council or, uh, and you see it in Victoria too, but Vancouver is just, it's, it's awful. I mean, they're making all kinds of crazy decisions that are just making life worse in Vancouver, not better, worse. Yeah. Mayor Ken, uh, the Kennedy Stewart, is that, that his name? Yeah. Um, he's completely off the deep end. That guy, like his idea to, I think you'd mentioned this earlier, this show to, to criminalize hard drugs and then asking the federal government to supply opioids for their, uh, the, for the insight and, uh, Kind of yeah. safe injection sites. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And that I means the guy's the guy's nuts. Yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to the decriminalization of hard drugs. You know that we've had that discussion on here before. Yeah. Um, I mean, places where it's been done, it works great. Uh, Portugal is the probably the poster child of decriminalization of of hard drugs and uh, drug addiction going down. Um, so, I mean, whatever Portugal's done, I think that should be replicated everywhere. Uh, but, um, but the thing is Vancouver does this where they, they decide that they're going to make up their own rules and then they ask someone else to pay for it, or they ask someone else to provide whatever they need provided. Like, like they're, they're now they're, they're going, Hey, we did this, but federal government this is on you and um it's kind of i don't know it sound to me it's more like a uh like a left-wing thing because the federal government does the same thing i mean they they say here's the new rules but uh provinces uh you figure it out yeah that's true so i i think this is it's a left it tends to be a left-wing thing where they where they say you know here's the new rules but we're going to leave it up to someone else to figure out. And, yeah. uh, and, and the, and cause you never see that with the conservatives. They always have a plan. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And uh, of course, the other thing with, with the left wing way is that not only does someone else get to take care of it, but someone else always has to pay for it. So. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, all right. Well, we're going to talk, talk about that too in the show. <laughs> yes, we certainly are. So, uh, yeah. well, in, in Vancouver, you're going to pay for this when you do lose those 61 officers. But anyway. Yeah. No, Vancouver, you guys need to get your heads out of your backsides and start voting for some people with brains. Yeah, exactly. So, um, all right, let's move on to, to our good friend COVID-19. Now, the good news is Canada has got the first 30,000 of the promised up to 249,000 vaccine doses. So they have started putting needles into, into some patients' arms. However, even though the vaccines are good news, the bad news is more lockdowns. In Ontario, York Region and the Windsor-Essex Region are now in full lockdown. There are more restrictions announced in Alberta and Saskatchewan. Manitoba has been in full lockdown already for a few weeks, and Quebec has increased their number of red zones. So it's it's getting more restrictive and not less. And what really ticks me off is the, the latest restrictions here in the province of Saskatchewan is I can't have my young adult kids home for Christmas because they live in a different province. And 
the government has told us we are not allowed to have people in Saskatchewan in our home unless they actually live here. Are you allowed to have people in your home who don't live with you? Nope. Okay. Like they could be your neighbors right next door. They're not allowed to come over. Exactly. Yep. Okay. That's the same in BC. And I'm pretty sure it's the same in Alberta and Ontario and Quebec. Um, those rules don't make sense to me uh, because you can work with someone, but that someone is not allowed to come over to your house. Uh, you're allowed to fly on a plane, but the person who sat next to you on the plane is not allowed to come to your house. That's right. Uh, you're allowed to, well, technically you're not allowed to, but the restaurants and bars are not policing it, which I'm glad they publicly, like their, their uh, organizations um, publicly stated to the governments that they were not going to police it is that you're not, you're not technically supposed to be going out for drinks or, or dinner with someone you don't live with, but people are doing it. But if that same person came over to your house, $2,500 fine. So, I mean, this is, if, if, if you needed evidence that these lockdowns don't work, well, you've got it. I mean, masks have been mandatory everywhere in this country for at least three or four weeks now. And the numbers are not going down. No, in fact, they're going um, up. The lockdowns have been across the country for the past couple of weeks minimum. The numbers are not going down. And I mean, if you needed evidence that the lockdowns are not working, this is it. Oh yeah, totally. And it was, I like the point you made about if you can go to a bar or restaurant with, you know, say if you go with some of your friends after work, you can go sit at the bar and well with three of your friends, I guess, because you, you have to be a table of four and yep. No problem. Sit across from each other with no masks on but you can't bring any of them to your home. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. How about this one? This one doesn't make any sense to me. Um, there have been, I believe, almost a thousand f flights in Canada that have had COVID-19 positive patients on them. Almost a thousand flights in Canada. There has not been a single outbreak on a flight. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Did you know that? I did not there know that. Not, there has not been a single uh, spreader, spreader event or outbreak on a flight or because of a flight. And there has been almost a thousand flights with someone who was covid positive on that flight how is it possible how is it possible that there hasn't been a single outbreak on those flights when they're you're sitting right next to people you're touching them you're yes you're wearing masks but you're not six feet apart you are breathing recycled air and yet there hasn't been a single outbreak but lockdowns make sense yeah no kidding hey None of this makes any sense. No, it really doesn't. And 
I mean, or, according to that data, I should be fine to fly from here to Montreal and go stay with my 80-year-old mother-in-law and not worry. Unless, of course, I go to the grocery store. Then I might catch it. That's right. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Like, none of this makes any sense to me. No, it doesn't make any sense to me either. And what makes even less sense to me was something that you had touched on when you made a rant on the weekend. And that's about immunity passports. Now, Christine Elliott, the Minister of Health in Ontario, had talked about, but I guess, yeah, I, mean, I think immunity passports was sort of the term she, she had used. But at any rate, the, she had said that you know, when a person gets immunized for COVID-19, they would get a card or some kind of proof that they had been vaccinated. And what did you say happens if they don't get vaccinated? Uh, they will face severe restrictions on what they can and cannot do. And if that isn't discrimination, and if that isn't a violation of every Canadian's charter rights, I don't know what is. Yeah. And I said something else on that rant. It reminds me a lot of something that happened back in the 1930s. That's right. You pay us. Pay us. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's this is this is not good. I mean, the, even even the discussion of a health or COVID passport is dangerous as hell because you know if that gets if that gets issued a COVID passport and it has in that passport, you know, it's been stamped that you've been vaccinated. Um, Every year they're going to start requiring that for the flu shot. They're, you know, they're going to start requiring it for all kinds of things. I guarantee you it doesn't stop at one thing. Never does. No, that's right. And that's actually kind of t- ties into what you had mentioned earlier with the with the left. They're never they, they're never satisfied. They can't take yes for an answer. And this is just wrong on so many levels because when you hear the quote unquote experts saying, "Oh, well, you know, such and such percentage of Canadians are are weary and you know are not interested in the vaccine and whatnot," and this is just the way to to force it on people and. Again, we have this Charter of Rights and Freedoms for a reason, and we've got mobility rights in the Charter, and this would be a serious you know, Charter violation on our mobility rights, on our assembly rights, association rights, and God knows how many others. Oh, yeah. No, it, it would – it's so wrong. It's so wrong, and I, and I, and I implore everybody – to contact their MPs and their MLAs and your MPPs or whatever they're called in the different provinces and let them know how this is not right. The problem is, is that there's a lot of sheep out there. There's a lot of sheep out there and they are, and boy, are they towing the line and it doesn't matter what evidence, what stats, no matter what you put in front of them, they will not believe what you're telling them. And it's, and, and it's insane because you can tell them that the Moderna mac- vaccine has like a 21% adverse reaction rate and that's Moderna's own numbers. You can tell them that the, 
that Pfizer is saying, if you are immunocompromised, the vaccine is not recommended for you to take it. Or if you have any, any kind of allergies that result in anaphylactic uh, shock, you shouldn't be taking this vaccine. But it's those people that are supposed to be, you know, they're the ones who need the vaccine the most. Yeah, and, is that funny? You can, eh? put, you can put those stats and those those that that information in front of these sheep, and they won't believe it, or they completely dismiss it. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny because, and you're right. It's the people who need it the most are the ones being recommended not to take that one. And in the Moderna, I mean, I'm glad they released that number, that 21 percent figure. I'm kind of curious what it is for Pfizer. Like, I know that the, some people who have taken the Pfizer vaccine have had like temporary paralysis and yeah, Bell's palsy. Yeah, that's there's what. Been, it, there's been I think there's been two Bell's palsy uh, cases. Yeah, related to the Pfizer vaccine. So, I'm. Uh, yeah, I mean they they've done no long term trials on them, of course, because it hasn't been long term. They've only been around like the vaccines only only been around for ten months. The uh in trials but they did all the trials simultaneously and they didn't do any uh animal safety trials there's no mid term or long term uh safety trials because there hasn't been any and i'm just you know waiting for 10 years down the road where you see that ad on tv and it says if you received the covid vaccine between december 2020 and july 2021 you are entitled to a settlement and but call this number and talk to our lawyers you know i mean that's i'm i'm just waiting for that because the federal government even sees it as an issue because they've set up a a a covid vaccine settlement fund yeah see that scares me as, as much as anything else that i mean and that's exactly what you addressed in your rant on the weekend was that if they're this quick on setting up that fund. What do they know that they aren't telling us? Yeah. And honestly, man, since the beginning, I've been like you and I, you and I have both been saying this right from the very beginning. And I know a few others have been saying this too. It, they're not telling us a lot. There's a lot about this. They're not telling us. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is true. And here's one thing they did tell us is that I referenced in a show probably a good couple of months ago, and maybe it was in a rant, that how much money we had spent on this COVID overseas fund, because there is a fund set up to help provide vaccines to, quote, poorer countries. And Justin Trudeau had already spent about $1.2 billion of, of your tax dollars, Canada, to set up funds to help you know, developing countries get COVID vaccines. Well, he just pledged this week another $200 million for that fund because we've got so much money to throw around right now when we're $1.2 trillion in debt and climbing. Yeah. No, I'm just... <sighs> it's not even our money. It's, it's borrowed money. He's borrowed, borrowed money. He's borrowing money to send to another country. 
And uh, that doesn't even make sense. He's borrowing money to send it to another country, and then the Canadian taxpayers pay the interest. Well, and that's been really the hallmark of his entire government. And what really ticks me off this time is he had a call with the first ministers and told the premiers, no, we don't have money to increase health care transfers right now. And by the way, we're sending $200 million more out of the country. And this thing, I know where his priorities lie, and it's not with Canada. And that's what really ticks me off is that, and that's what will actually tie into the, the next topic about liberal lies, is that you've got Justin Trudeau saying there is no money for health care transfers, at least not for, for increases. And... Well, by the way, we lied to the First Nations about being able to provide clean, potable drinking water to all reserves by March of 21. There's now going to be 22 reserves still on boil water advisories. And yes, I know we promised you that the carbon tax was not going to go up after this year's increase, but oops, that's going up too. And oh yeah, I know we told you that Justin Trudeau said, and I can quote him, the last thing Canadians need right now is more taxes. But except we're going to raise CPP and alcohol taxes. And yeah, the carbon tax is going up fivefold by 2030 to $170 a ton. And I don't know if people just expect to be lied to or if it's because he's got such great hair and that sexy beard that we'll put up with it from Justin Trudeau. But I've had enough. I've had more than enough. Like I'm just beside myself with this government and... I hate being lied to, period, but I'm just sick of being lied to. Yeah, and I mean, that $170 per ton carbon tax, I don't know if anybody knows, but that 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 $170 per ton is an extra $0.40 cents a litre of tax on gasoline, over and above what you're paying now. Yeah, that's right. And of course, they continue to spin the line that, oh, we'll, you know, we'll actually be paying more money back to Canadians in forms of rebates. So that's a bunch of BS. I mean, anybody who believes that they're going to get back more money than they pay in on anything had better not answer any emails from Nigerian princes. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, well, I mean, in BC here, we were told that we would get a, uh, a corresponding income tax break to offset the uh, carbon tax and the NDP have quietly eliminated that. And so our, our, uh, we, we no longer get that income tax break. So whatever governments say about, oh yeah, it's going to put more money in your pockets. Yeah. They're full of crap. It never, that never happens. Never. Well, well of course not. And especially not with a carbon tax because it's going to get charged and they say they want to get the heavy emitters. Well, the heavy emitters are going to take that, that tax and like any other input cost, they'll work it into their price and it just passes down to the consumers. So anybody yeah. who thinks that it's just going to be these big evil corporations who have to pay this tax are absolutely fooling themselves. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They're uh, delusional. Oh, totally delusional. Yep. All right. Well, ready to move on to one more more topic here. Or we've got a couple we could probably yep. tackle, but Rebel News is not the kind of organization that you and I have ever really lent a lot of credibility to. Um, I think Ezra, sorry, I think Ezra Levant, sorry, the founder of Rebel News, is at best a blowhard. 
but I got to admit they found their stride with uh, with what they're now calling the China Files. And what it was was Ezra Levant had made a Freedom of Information request to the government. I think he said it was in March and finally got the information back. And instead of being redacted, blacked out, somebody, and I'm sure this was done on purpose, just grayed out what was not supposed to be read so that it could be read. And wow, um, did you realize that we were supposed to treat China as our most important ally? Um, I wasn't aware of that until just now. Yeah, that was actually in the files. Justin Trudeau had instructed the military that they needed to treat China as our most important ally. And I think I always just assumed that was the United States. I mean, am I wrong in that? No, I. the United States has always been our closest and most important ally, considering we share the longest undefended border in the world with them. Well, exactly. And there was... And I think I brought this up either in the last show or more my, my rant right afterward, talking about the Chinese soldiers in Canada. And at first, I thought that was all, all it was, that the exercise was rejected. And then I find out, after going through more of the China files that the rebel news had discovered, that our military colleges have actually been training Chinese officers. They've had officer and soldier exchanges so we've already actually had Chinese soldiers in Canada training with Canadian soldiers. And we've had Chinese officers at our military colleges. And I mean, if that isn't enough, then we've got our prime minister saying that, you know, being furious that our military counseled that cold weather training exercise in Petawawa and saying that, oh, you need to break it to Beijing gently so that they don't lose face. And he was more worried about offending the Chinese. What the hell is going on? Yeah, well, any liberal or left-wing person in Canada will tell you that you are uh, a paranoid um, conspiracy theorist. If you even mention that Justin Trudeau stated that he admires China's dictatorship. Um, but we just keep getting more and more evidence that he really does. And this, and this is part of it. I mean, he loves China and he, I think that if he could remake Canada into what China is, he would do it. And I mean, any, any, I mean, the fact that we're training Chinese soldiers is absolutely bonkers. Like, I, I don't even know what to say that I can actually say on this show. Um, he's, I mean, the fact that we're training Chinese soldiers just is is beyond reprehensible. I mean, they're not our friend. They are not an ally. I mean, China aligns itself with Russia and with North Korea. It does not align itself with Canada, the U.S., Great Britain, Germany, France. 
It doesn't align itself with any of us. It aligns itself with Russia and with North Korea. Yeah, I mean, they're friends of countries that want to kill us. And yet here we are inviting their officers into our military colleges. And what are the Chinese famous for? Oh, for spying, stealing intelligence. What a great place to steal in military intelligence than a military college. Yeah, and we've also recently seen um, that the uh, Chinese Communist Party accidentally had its membership list leaked onto the internet and it includes hundreds if not thousands of people that are working in foreign governments and high up in foreign corporations around the world and like these i mean this is this is what they do yeah that's right and there's actually uh, a lot of top scientists who are either of Chinese origin or they were from China that have gone to work for pharmaceutical companies, the tech companies, what have you worldwide. And then the groups like United front or even the, you know, the Chinese communist party directly have actually approached some of these top scientists and said, okay, it's time to come home and work for China or it's time to start shipping some secrets back to China. And we've got to understand the game that they're playing. And I think that, well, I know that, Mr. Trudeau is completely naive to what they have in mind. I mean, they they want to, to be the dominant player on the world stage. And they're probably one of the last countries I want to have as a dominant player on the world stage. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, and this is something I've mentioned on the show before, is that if you want to understand what it is that China is doing and why their moves, what they're doing makes sense, you, all you have to do is realize that whatever they're doing, their end game is like 30, 40, 50 years down the road. And if you think of it in those terms, everything they do makes sense. And, but, but we don't think that way in the Western world because we have elections. And so our government's goals are for four years down the road. And so what we don't understand China doing things like that because we don't think that far ahead. But the Chinese do. That's all they do is think that far ahead. And that's how they got how they get these people into important positions in governments and corporations because they're thinking the long game. They the, those people that are in those positions the, they've been working at getting into those positions for 20 years. And that is time and money well spent in the eyes of the Chinese government because it gets them to where they want to be in 30, 40, 50 years. Yep, that's true. And what we've got, oh, we've got about five minutes to go. Let's uh, at least touch on this because where they want us to go and this ties in with the Great Reset now Speaking of things that were labeled as conspiracy theories, and what have we been saying in our last few shows, a lot of these conspiracy theories are suddenly becoming reality. As I listen to and read more about the Great Reset, it's taking us right to global communism, and that really seems to be the goal. And the Chinese, of course, are all for it. Yeah. Like it, like the, I'm not sure if you've seen that video that, that was around to uh, talk about 
Was it you in Agenda 2030? You will own nothing and you will be happy. Have you seen that video? I haven't seen the video, I, but I did see a uh, an article written by someone who claims to be on, uh, in a steering committee that's run by the PMO um, oh, okay. talking about it. But I, I don't know. I have a hard time believing it. I mean, I'm I I I do believe that they're trying to institute more socialism into Canadian society and they're going to use COVID as their vehicle to, to, to bring those socialist policies into, into play. But I, I just find it incredibly hard to believe that, that there's actually a worldwide conspiracy to impose communism around the world because, um, I just, I, I can't see it even being something taken seriously without people blowing the whistle on it. And, and just, you know, it, without it actually being a, like people, like people of, of importance coming out and saying, yeah, we know about it and it's true and it's bad and we should stop it. Like, I, I, I just don't find that very believable. I hope that it's not. But if you start to see some of the signs and some of the pieces fall together, I get more and more concerned about it. I mean, I think that the UN and global socialism go hand in hand. I don't think the UN would mind being in charge of a one world government, which I think will never happen. But this whole idea, and you'd mentioned on one of on our show oh, a month or two ago, with this whole build back better idea. And yeah. then you start seeing that, it's not just our slogan. It's Joe Biden's slogan. It's in Europe and it's all over the place. This build back better from COVID. And we already know that Justin Trudeau salivates at this whole idea because he has seen, and he said as much, he, he said, this, this is our opportunity for a reset with his whole green agenda and whatnot. And yeah. it just worries me that the more countries go in that direction, the more we are headed for socialism. Oh yeah, no, I I totally agree with you, and I think that the UN is going to uh, act as some kind of an overseer, um, making sure that that countries around the world have have the same policies in place. And but I just I just don't see like worldwide communism. I just don't see that being possible. No, I don't think it's going to go quite to that kind of a scale um, because I think that there's enough people out there who have already lived through communism who simply won't let that happen again, especially in places like Eastern Europe, for example. But just yeah. the direction, direction that we're going, it just bothers the hell out of me. Oh, me too. Me too. Scares the hell out of me that people are even like on board with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, Canada, so we're just about at our time here. So I think we'll probably wrap it up here as good a spot as any. So I do want to thank you all for joining us, Canada. And like I had referred to a little bit earlier in the show, you can expect some more rants coming from us this week because I've got one boiling already. So uh, give you a day or two to absorb this show and then we'll, uh, and you'll be hearing more from us. So until next time, thank you for joining us from Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Thank you, Canada. Good night.
Nonsense with Lewis and Tony.